0: Bible Together podcast. I'm your host Angela Smith. Today we are talking about Acts chapter 17. And back with me today is Faith Radio Station Manager Neil Statham. Welcome back, Neil.
1: Thank you. Looking forward to uh, the conversation. A uh, lot of a uh, lot of things to cover in the Book of Acts. So yeah. I, I'm, I'm sure there you've had amazing conversations already, and the uh, the story just gets uh, better and better as we go along.
0: It does. It's so good. And this time I learned my. I, I knew that I needed to just hit record. We chatted a little bit, and then I needed we needed to start recording because sometimes if we get too deep into conversation beforehand, <laughs> sure, wait, like, wait, oh, wait, I have to press record. That, that would
1: have been good. Yeah. yeah. So. <laughs> All right. So, do you want do you want to start?
0: Yeah. Uh, well, you well, start. So oh, there's a lot going on in here. There what, is. What well, because
1: yeah, uh, uh, there well there are three sections in the chapter when you read it. So it's Paul and Silas in Thessalonica, and Paul and Silas in Berea, and then Paul in Athens, and when Paul and Silas are in Thessalonica, the first thing that actually jumped out to me uh, was in verse 2. It says, as was his custom, mm-hmm. Paul went into the synagogue. And, and I thought, you know, Acts is all about the work of the Spirit. And, you know, we want to be Spirit-led. But I thought it's interesting that you can still be Spirit-led and have an organized plan. Paul had a had a plan and an approach, and he had a custom, and God blessed that plan. I think, well, that's a good reminder for us to the other part. And then verse 3 talks about you know, he was, uh, he was talking about the scriptures and explaining why Jesus died for our sins and rose again. And that really is the heart of the gospel. When, Mm -hmm. you know, whenever we have opportunity to, you know, share the good news that comes down to, that's, that's the message. Jesus died for our sins and rose again. And the other part is that, you know, the message always creates division, right? I mean, that, you know, the, the backhanded compliment, you know, these men have turned the world upside down, which of course is what Jesus said, you know, it's an upside down kingdom and uh, yeah,
0: that was one of the other things that stuck out to me, and because one of the questions actually from the study guide is when Paul goes to a new area, what sort of pattern is emerging? Yeah. And that was verse 2, where he goes to yeah. the synagogue to teach. Yeah. But then I also added that the Jewish leaders get jealous and cause trouble, yeah. which is also what we see happening time and again, that he'll go first to the synagogue, first to the Jewish people, then to the Gentiles, and then there's usually some kind of... People trying to kill him, like not yeah. just imprison him, but no. kill him, run him out of town, get him out of there.
1: Yes, uh, it was, uh, and I think that kind of comes through even at the uh, you know at the end of the chapter when Paul's in Athens that you know there's there's a reaction, and I think that's maybe a, a point in, a point to take away that when we're when we're presenting the gospel, when we're talking about the scriptures about Jesus dying and rising again, that there's going to be you know, In this case, it was the, the jealousy of the Jews, but the Epicureans and the Stoics, they didn't really want to have any time for that either. It's the, the resurrection, talking about the resurrection, and Jesus brings about division and conflict.
0: Well, and what struck me about that, and it's in uh, verse 18, starts in 18 when he's talking to the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers, is what is this babbler trying to say about yeah. these strange ideas? They're so, think they're so above yeah. him and that's something that i've been noticing as a pattern like this pride and aboveness and over it and and then and sometimes that's feeding into um, like we saw back in chapter 6 when people lied about stephen and my impression was that it was pride and fear of losing position as well but i just that struck me what is this babbler trying to say that, you know like they're so above him and higher and
1: which you know the the, the word babble is not used enough in scriptures, I think. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I think we more, more babblers, but I, I Well, did, stick
0: with us long enough and we'll sure, start babbling. Right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but it did, well, actually, that uh, kind of ties into his, the second segment, you know, where Paul and Silas are in Berea, and, and you know that, know that story where the, the Bereans were open and eager versus the the Epicureans and the Stoics, which we get to later. They were, it talked about, they were proud, they were skeptical. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was just kind of a I looked at a little study, almost like a little three point outline about the Bereans in verse eleven. So they they examine the scriptures. That's the first thing. They weren't just debating philosophies or opinions. And it reminds us that we should always compare what we hear with what the Bible says, and that's true for faith radio as well. Yes. You know, when you listen yep. to faith radio, check it against the scripture. You know, and you know your pastor, you you love and support and value uh, their teaching, but. You know, it's always important to examine the scriptures and then they examine the scriptures daily, which is the second point that's really valuable. The consistent engagement Mm -hmm. pays dividends. It reminded me some years ago, the Center for Bible Engagement did a a massive study and they they found empirical evidence that, you know, if you're engaging with the scriptures four days a week or more, it will, in fact, transform your life. Mm -hmm. You're going to – you'll handle temptation better. You're going to have better attitudes. uh, You're going to experience – uh, more of the abundant life that Jesus promised than if you don't engage the scripture. So 4 days a week or more, so they they examine the scriptures, they examine the scriptures daily, and then they examine the scriptures daily to see if these things were true. They were on a search for truth and again that I think just compares with the Athenians which were, you know, let's just get together and talk. You know, that was kind of what they did all day. Let's just let's just hang out and they're just, they like to hear new things, but they weren't really looking for the truth. So Mm-mm. study the Scriptures, study them daily, study to see if these things are true.
0: Well, and I think what's interesting, what you were saying about studying the Scripture, even four days a week will have a transformational effect on yeah. your life. I mean, have you—well, I don't mean to make you confess things on the <laughs> podcast, Neil, but I've gone through stretches where I have not been in the Scripture. Yeah. And then when I get back into reading the Bible on a consistent basis, the difference of my life, of my attitude, of my mind, of my thoughts is such a stark contrast to when I'm not.
1: No, I think that that's absolutely true. I've experienced that where, you know, and it might be in a relationship with your spouse or your kids, or just you know, kind of the thoughts running through your head, or you know, there's anger or whatever it is, and. You know, go, well, where is this – why is this, you know, popping up now? And then you look back, well, yeah, I guess I haven't actually – you know, I've skipped a couple of days here as a reading mm-hmm. or, I, you know, I just haven't been serious about it. You get busy and doing other things. So, yeah, and, and it often, I think for me, it it would take a couple of days to kind of get back into – I don't want to say routine in a negative way. But, but the habit. Yeah, just get back mm-hmm. into the habit and just, you know, letting – Letting the word kind of you know soak through. I mean, it it does it does. It's kind of wash, you know. So it's just kind of washing out the mind of all the junk that that fills in automatically if you don't. You know, I suppose it's like sweeping the floor every day or something. You know, it's just going to pile up if you don't get at it. So.
0: Yeah, it reminds me when I was a student here. Patsy Miller was one of my professors, and she talked about when her children were young, she would leave the Bible open on a table, and she said it was like like a sucker, and she would hmm. walk by and she would read a verse and take a lick. And by the end of the day, yeah. she would get through a section, but she could only do it a lick at a time. Yeah. And so I, I felt that I, that felt very freeing to me, especially then when I ended up later in life having young kids. I sure. remembered that, that I mean, <laughs> because sometimes you think like being in the scripture means, OK, I'm going to like yeah. for hours, I'm going to sit down and study, yeah. which is super valuable. But even just like taking a lick, like yeah. leaving it open and yeah. encourage, you know, find just reading god's word reading what he's done what he's doing and i think you know what
1: we're doing here in our uh, in our daily reading is, is reading a chapter a day but you know honestly if you just if there was one chapter that really you know seemed to impact you it doesn't hurt to go back and just read that again and again and just kind of camp in that for a while mm-hmm. you know yep. you know like we say you know the, the more we get into god's word the more god's word gets into us so.
0: Yeah, that's so good. And it's interesting, too, when you read different chapters, to read it in different translations, too. Yeah. Because then I think other, you know, different things are highlighted. Or my favorite thing is the Blue Letter Bible app, because then you can see the Greek and the Hebrew, and that is a rabbit hole.
1: Okay. for every... <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. But it's really, it's super, super interesting. I did just
1: discover that, too, just in looking at Acts 17. I thought, wow, this is a great resource. So, mm-hmm. a good recommendation. So, so, a little bit about the Bereans. We could talk about Paul in Athens, because that's sort of... You know, maybe his maybe best known, most famous sermon, or at least yeah. it, I look at as it, kind of his sermon introduction because it it gets cut short. You know, when when he starts talking about the resurrection, then they're kind of like, yeah, well, you know, maybe we'll hear you again. But so it's uh, this chapter. It just reminded me. That there's sort of a disappointing ending in some ways. You know, it's not like a, a TV show where there's you know everything's all resolved at the end. This one's like, yeah, well, he only got part way through, and then moved on. But what caught my attention was uh, verse 16. While Paul's waiting for them in Athens, he was greatly distressed to see that the city was full of idols. And uh, another translation says he was provoked. Paul's spirit was provoked. And I thought, you know, am, the question that came to my mind is, am I provoked in spirit by the idolatry surrounding me? Mm-hmm. You know, just the 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 culture in which we live, which is very similar to, you know, what Paul was dealing with in Athens in terms of you know, who the uh, the people were. But that, that, that's a question I need to ponder for a while. Am I provoked by the spirit of idolatry surrounding me and enough to do something about it? I mean, Paul just said, you know, I, he was waiting around, I think for, you know, Silas and Timothy mm-hmm. to come. It's like, nope, I just, I got to preach. I can't, I can't hold back because mm-hmm. this needs to be attended to.
0: Yeah, that's I'm just it's that's a very convicting question. So I'm just sitting here okay. With it well, for all a, right. As you, <laughs> as you
1: think about it, I just uh, and then so he you know they he points out that it's the Epicureans and the Stoics, and Epicureans you know were happiness seeking happiness was primary. The Stoics they were it was about thinking above feeling. They were kind of proud intellectuals, also pantheists, and they were trying to live in harmony with nature and reason. I thought you know isn't that If if that's not a good pattern for today, right? We we live in a world that you know there's there's a whole group of people that's all about their own happiness, and then there's others. The there's this kind of intellectualism that we're going to worship nature, and that you know those you see this you know whole focus on it's all about you know nature or it's all about happiness, and you know that's the platform that uh, Paul tried to address.
0: Well, and something I want to say too is that that doesn't mean that we won't be happy, that doesn't mean that we yes. shouldn't have knowledge. Because yeah. if I mean, if True. you look at Paul, Paul was a Pharisee. I mean, he was very studied. He knew, he was very studied. Yeah. So I think there is, I, I think what strikes me about them is the pot, their posture, the posture of superiority yeah. over, I, I think you can have a lot of knowledge and have a lot of intellect and, you know, have a lot of letters after your name but i don't think then that gives you a right to be superior over other people i just really appreciate yeah. appreciate humility i think yeah humility and is which, important
1: which is such a contrast into you know just the verses before with the Bereans because they were open and eager it mm-hmm. says you know well open and eager those are great words you know compared to proud and skeptical which right. is you know what what the paul's dealing with now and so he you know he lays out this this amazing sermon that, that we know well. He starts where where they were, using examples they understood,
0: and that's my favorite. Yeah. That he's talking about their unknown God. That yeah. he brings it right to them.
1: Yeah, and and that you know he established common ground because I, I can see that you're really religious, mm-hmm. and so he used that. You know, he said, "Let's focus on what we agree about God," and and then he moved to the person of Christ, uh, centering everything on the resurrection, and then calling for a decision about Jesus, which is where things kind of abruptly turned. stopped. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, God is known in his creation, and he's close to every one of us, but he's not trapped in his creation. And I think that's, you know, one of the challenges that you know, our, we're facing in our culture today. There's an assumption that, well, it's it's all based on kind of a naturalist view. When you think about God being creator and transcendent and sovereign and in control, then obviously we're faced with the uh, reality we have to be accountable to him. And mm. that's, you know... Man does not want to be accountable to God, not in our natural state. So.
0: so there are different ways that people experience God, and there have been books written about that. And so it's interesting to hear you talking about this because nature is one of those places where I feel, I think the Celts called it a thin place, which yeah. like that feels like the veil is lifted between. And it's not that God's any closer. It's my... It's my acknowledgement of how close he's always actually been, and to me he feels closer, but actually he's just been there the whole time. But to th- look at, so like the North Shore in Minnesota, to stand on the shores of Lake Superior and to look out at the big of the lake and the mighty of the lake. You know, if you've been there in the winter and the, the big storms, and, and I was thinking about how, I was talking to somebody who grew up in Duluth, and I said, I'm not afraid of Lake Superior, but I fear it in that I respect it. Yeah. And I thought, oh that kind of reminds that I think that's why it reminds me of God. I'm not afraid of God, but I have a like a healthy fear, a respect of who he is and his attributes and I I think maybe um at its best that's what nature does versus pulling us away from thinking ourselves higher because you know we have this enlightened view of something versus it drawing us closer to the one who created it
1: to yeah to recognize god's created order it's evident all around us but then recognize that there is a well, god him yeah there's a god behind it there's a creator mm-hmm. yeah. who is sovereign over all and i i love that quote from Tozier. you know because paul talks about you know we we live and move and have our being that's you know, really important. And don't
0: you want to break out into song? Yeah, well, sure, it does. (laughs) Every time I read that, I wanted to,
1: yeah, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Tozier says, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. And I think this is one of those passages where that comes to the forefront. What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Mm -hmm. Paul was addressing people who, you know, were having thoughts about God, but you know, certainly not in, in a clear way and didn't understand that there was an accountability that comes with that. I mean, the, the message of the resurrection, you know, it's either a blessing or punishment. There's always going to be a conflict point when it comes to sharing the gospel. And which is why I think, you know, as we look at this chapter, it sort of ends in a, you know, well, yeah, maybe we'll talk to him some more. But, and a few people believe, but, you know, they were intent on keeping their own, uh, own world view. Which is you know which we're, we'll encounter, I'm sure many times too, as we share the faith.
0: So. Well, in one way, we don't see it here, but in, in other chapters, when we've seen that happen, they go, they do all they can do, you know yeah. what God has put in front of them, and then they dust yeah. the, the dust off of them and they move on to the next thing, because it's not about them, it's about how the Lord is moving and what the Lord is doing.
1: Yeah. I do uh, came across this quote from John Stott. It says, we learn from Paul that we cannot preach the gospel of Jesus without the doctrine of God, or the cross without the creation, or salvation without judgment. Mm-hmm. I thought all those are kind of wrapped up in this short little message, which I really look at, it's sort of a Paul's introduction to the message, because again, it gets kind of cut short, I think, but yeah. but he, uh, he continues to preach the gospel, you know, and that's and, you know later on when you get to what a couple chapters down the road he said you know my worth my life's worth nothing if i don't preach the gospel mm-hmm. and that's he was a a church planter and a pastor and it was all about sharing the, the good news of the gospel do the work of an evangelist so
0: thank you neil thank you so much You're for welcome. coming to join me
1: yeah it's a, it's a great read and uh, i encourage people to just continue to dive in for yourself you'll learn a lot as you dig through it
0: Thank you for joining us for looking at Acts chapter 17. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss any episodes. And we'll see you next time for Acts chapter 18. The Reading the Bible Together podcast is a production of Faith Radio and Northwestern Media. Hosted, produced, and edited by Angela Smith. If you've enjoyed this podcast and want to hear more, consider financially supporting Faith Radio. Find more information at MyFaithRadio.com.